Money Talk is hosted by Annex Wealth Management, a registered investment advisor. Important information about the qualifications and business practices of Annex to be considered before becoming a client of Annex is available at AnnexWealth.com. Securities are offered through HBEC Incorporated, member FINRA and SIPC. Annex Wealth Management and HBEC are unaffiliated. This program may contain forward-looking statements which may not come true. Please consult with an advisor about your specific situation. Taking the mystery out of investing with answers to your financial questions. This is Money Talk with Dave Spano and Mark Oswald from Annex Wealth Management. On WTMJ. It is Money Talk. Saturday, May 12th. My name is Danny Clayton. Saying good morning, Dave Spano. Good morning to you, Danny. Derek Felsky, how are you? Good morning, Danny. The way to get him in is to have a fairly lousy weekend and he can't get out and golf. That, well, I wish sometimes on Thursdays, Danny, we could make right. that happen to make sure he's in the office on Thursdays well, as well. Mark Oswald is usually here, but he is doing the take the kid home from college thing. So, yes. And I tell you, I always thought that, that I knew how well I was doing based on the size of U-Haul that I was, mm -hmm. but I never could understand how somebody in a dorm room could have so much stuff. So much stuff, yep. So much stuff. But it's, yeah, you know, it's, we're glad that Derek is here because there is a lot to talk about, Danny. You know, there's, uh, we had a pretty good week, uh, in fact, 1,200-point uh, move in the first six days, and then Friday I actually ended up okay as well. Yeah, it was a, a quiet conclusion to the week, but for the week the S&P was up 2.4%, the Dow up 2.3 and the Nasdaq led the way up 2.7. Uh, so as we as we like to say, you know, the markets do tend to climb a wall of worry. You know, you talk about the wall of worry, and we have covered that uh, from time to time uh, over the years. And you know, people aren't really sure what that means, but it's it's the fact that if everybody is positive that there isn't any but there aren't any sellers and what we've really seen is some doubt in a lot of parts of the market and I think one of the big things that we saw most recently this week as a matter of fact was inflation which was a wall of worry and we saw a CPI report that wasn't as bad as we thought no it wasn't and I you know I think many of our listeners will recall we talked about our fear and greed index and in late January that number got to eight that's on a scale of zero to a hundred so basically people were very negative about stocks very negative about the future prospects for equity returns, and then they then they tend to highlight headlines. So we had a bad headline in January about wage inflation, came in a little hotter than people expected. Analysts then extrapolate it as if it's going to continue ad infinitum. And what we saw with the CPI yesterday was that inflation remains well contained. And when people see inflation running away, there's a couple of things. You know, one of the things that I hear back from our clients is, are we going back to 1979, 1980 when you had runaway inflation? And that is not really the concern. I'd actually like to go back to 1980. I was having a good time in college. <laughs> I'm time. sure you were. But, but really what the concern is, is if you start to have inflation, then the Fed is forced to raise rates, and that has all kinds of negative impacts. Yeah, we've talked a lot about the Fed and, and people's fear of, of rising rates. Right now, the market is expecting about a 49% probability of three more rate hikes, so not quite 50-50. And we've mentioned before that when that number is significantly above 50%, the Fed does tend to follow the market and, and hike rates. But but basically, rates are going up not because there's a lot of inflation, but because the global economy is very strong. Corporate results are very strong. Uh, we just concluded, or we're almost concluded with earnings season. 90% of the companies were reported, 80% beat estimates, 78% beat sales forecast. So it's not a accounting wizardry. And the estimates, were, which originally were 18% 
year-over-year growth in the first quarter. It actually came in at 24%. So that's a huge earnings report. But let me just go back to this inflationary concern. Is there some structural issue, the reason why? Do you think we're not seeing inflation? I mean, could it be Amazon? I mean, really, what's happening? I think it's partly Amazon. It's also globalization. It's also, you know, the Chinese built an enormous amount of capacity in the commodity area, particularly like steel and other, other commodity things. So you haven't seen pricing pressures uh, develop. Now, we do know there's inflation in things like health care and, and rentals and so on. But actually, in the last CPI report, the rental the rental number was down. In fact, I saw that high-end rentals in New York City are down 12% year over year. That's interesting. But we are seeing inflation in energy. And you know, we talk about gas prices a lot, and that, that certainly is a cause for concern. In fact, I saw a Bank of America report earlier this week, and they said it could, Danny, could get up to $100 a barrel. And I, th- and I also heard you uh, with Steve Scafidian. Didn't you say that, I mean, this that's... Four dollar a gallon territory. That, that, that would equate I to four dollars a gallon. I remember that. Was twenty thirteen? Wasn't exactly. it? It was yeah. yeah, a number of years ago. And if that happens, what is also happening is it's starting to eat into the tax cut as well because you know the tax cut put more money in people's pockets, but the gasoline higher gas prices is taking it right out. Well, yeah, and then the folks at the lower end of the economic scale have less disposable income, so obviously a rise in gas prices would have a significant impact on them, and certainly certainly affect a company like Walmart or Target that sells to you know consumers. And that is, we saw this report earlier this week, Derek, that it's eight times as impactful on the lower income folks than it is on higher income. So that that is a big deal. When you start to see gas prices going up, you know, this really hurts people, but there's no reason to believe that this is going to stop. I mean, you and I had a conversation about where we are today at about $70 a barrel. But if there's going to be continued pressure and we see what's been happening with Iran and Israel, we could see higher oil prices from here as we go into a driving season. Well, yeah, and, and also OPEC, you know, they did manage not to cheat. I mean, they, they made a production cut agreement. They've held to it. Uh, so supply is down somewhat. And then this Iran thing only exacerbates the situation. Derek Felsky, Chief Investment Officer at Annex Wealth Management, 1013 at WTMJ. Know the difference. Say it all the time. Go to AnnexWealth.com. You'll see the difference is team, technology, and trust. We're going to meet some of the team members next. It's Annex Wealth Management Show uh, and uh, Money Talk on WTMJ. Money tips that don't cost a thing. This is Money Talk with Dave Spano and Mark Oswald on WTMJ. It's Money Talk and WTMJ for Saturday, May 12th. I'm Danny Clayton, and joining me is Stephanie Emmons, Program and Events Manager at Annex Wealth Management, and Shannon Thurner, Lead Client Service Manager, also at Annex. Hey, guys. Hey. Hi, Danny. Any other business, we sometimes lapse into jargon. I mean, everybody does it. So you hear us use the term CSM often. What exactly is a CSM? CSM is what Annex refers to as our client service managers, and they're really the lifeblood here at Annex Wealth Management. They have interactions with all of our clients across all of our branches, and they do things from opening new accounts, ensuring that assets are transferring to the proper place, working alongside all of our wealth managers to meet with clients, get their financial planning set up, getting them online access, engage the rest of our team, like our estate planners and our tax planners. And they really have a lot of day-to-day contact with our clients. Many of them would call our client service managers friends. They 
talk about things, they share stories about their family, why it's important for them to, to be working here at Annex. And they really become a good go-between between all the different teams here at Annex Wealth Management, all the different specialists here, and, and are the face oftentimes and the voice of their relationship here at Annex. So how do we structure the team at Annex, the, the CSM team? So all the clients here at Annex Wealth Management are clients of the firm, um, which makes us slightly different than some other organizations. And our client service managers have interactions with clients everywhere. So one of our service managers in the Mequon office might talk regularly with a client who prefers to meet at our Appleton branch. And our service managers work alongside different wealth managers in different offices. But because of how Annex is organized and how much we value the team and the overall comfort level to our clients, a client could speak with any one of our many client service managers and still receive the same level of detail, the same kind of response, the same access as were if they were to talk with their primary service manager. What's wonderful here at Annex is that any service manager can help any client at any moment and make sure we give them that peace of mind to move forward. That's Stephanie Emmons, Program and Events Manager. She actually oversees our whole CSM team. Shannon is our lead client service manager. My father has an account here, and when I was working with him to kind of get it in line, we dealt a lot with Kathy Croak, who couldn't be with us today. She'll call and email, and if I don't get back to her in time, I hear from her again, and I like that. I like that persistence. So it seems that you need to be a persistent person. A lot of it is just understanding what this relationship means to our clients. They're entrusting us with some hefty responsibilities and we take those very seriously so we understand that if someone doesn't get back to us right away life is going on there's always 400 other things that our clients are engaged at whether they're kids or grandkids or work or home or animals we just know that this is an important facet of their success and of their comfort and so we are incredibly persistent to make sure that they continue to feel that comfort and that nothing gets dropped and, and there's no opportunities for for anything to be missed also we enjoy talking with our clients and sometimes we'll reach out on our own just because we haven't spoken to someone in a while and we want to catch up and see what's going on. Hey Shannon, what is a typical day for you? Is that even such a thing? The typical day is there is no typical day. Um, we can meet with and focus on one client throughout the day if there's something extreme happening in that client's life, if somebody's passed away, if there's an extreme life event, somebody lost their job. We can spend a lot of time focusing on one client in one day. However, in a typical day, we could talk with 20 or 30 clients because we're picking up the phone. We don't let anything go to voicemail or if it does, we call you right back. It's it's our motto that we will always get a live person. What are the steps? Somebody's inbound. Somebody's a brand new client. What are the steps that you go through? I think it's a little bit different for different service managers. So um, it kind of depends on when they decide, yes, we want to be an Annex client. Are they deciding that in the office during a meeting? If so, they may grab us and introduce us so there's a face to go with that name right away. Sometimes it's via email or via phone call. And from there, it's, you know, we have to gather some information. We try to make the process as easy as possible. We have a lot of technology that works well for us. So we use DocuSign. So you don't even have to come into the office to sign documents. A lot of times we can send them to you electronically. We want it to be a very simple process. I got into the point where it's it like, I don't even know what question to ask. Somehow you guys did. Absolutely. And that, again, is part of that comfort and value that clients have when working with Annex Wealth Management. Let us navigate that. These are complex topics and nothing can be more stressful than when you're trying to make a, a positive change and running up against 
against roadblocks. Stephanie Emmons, uh, Program and Events Manager here at Annex Wealth Management. Your favorite thing about the job? Oh, the v diversity. Every single day, to Shannon's point, is a different day. You don't know what your day is going to look like, and that is so fun. I'll get to speak with clients that maybe haven't talked to in a few months or maybe even a year or two because they've been working alongside someone else. And honestly, a lot of the, the things I enjoy best about the job is really the team. Um, we have a dynamic team of client service managers, and I tell them this all the time, that I truly enjoy working with all of them, and they make coming to work every day a pleasure. How about you, Shannon? What's your favorite thing about this job? I think that the team and the support we actually provide each other and that, that we can provide that support to our clients as well. Stephanie Emmons, Program and Events Manager at Annex, and Shannon Thurner, Lead Client Service Manager, part of the Client Service Team here. You guys all rock. You are the difference. Thank you. Thank, Thank you so you. much. Yeah, we got a deep bench at Annex, and you can start by heading to AnnexWealth.com. All you got to do right at that front page is click the Get a Plan. It's big, and it's in green, and that'll start the process. Again, AnnexWealth.com. It's Money Talk, Annex Wealth Management for Saturday, May 12th. My name's Danny Clayton. Derek Felsky is here, and so is Dave. Spano. Okay, we're going to talk about the wall of worry. Now, you, you referenced the bricks. Yeah, the bricks in the wall of worry is, is something that that goes up that wall of worry so we can get over it. And there is so much happening right now that people can be concerned. And, and we can go right down the line. Let's start with a positive piece, though, Derek, and that is the fact that 90% of the companies that have reported already, 80% of them have beat earnings. It's been a great earnings season. It has, and that 80% number is significantly better than the average because typically companies do try to under-promise and over-deliver. That's the way they get their stocks to levitate. That's how they get investors excited about their future prospects. But, but typically, the average beat ratio is about 64%. So an 80% beat ratio is roughly, what, 20% better or 25 percent better uh, than average and that's nothing something to shake a stick at no and it's substantial because we have talked a lot about an earnings recession when I say that I know people's antennas go up we're talking about an earnings recession versus an economic recession two different animals altogether but we had that and it went on for a number of quarters about 10 or 12 quarters a couple of years back and here we are now with an enormous number and expected to have something similar next quarter as well and so the conversation has turned into to do we have what's called peak earnings right now? Well, at the beginning of the year, the forecasts were for 12% growth in Q1. It came in at 24%. Now, that wasn't just from the, the benefits of the tax cuts. It was also because revenues grew, because the global economy is on solid footing. Uh, Japan's doing better. China's doing better. Uh, you're starting to see some improvement in the Eurozone. In fact, the Eurozone is actually growing at a faster rate than the United States. But the forecasts for Q2 are equally optimistic. Right now, the estimate is for 19%. Recall that the estimate for Q1 were 18%, so it wouldn't be hard to imagine another 20% plus earnings growth rate in the second quarter. So what's really curious then, if you're listening to this, is why the heck are we not moving in the S&P right now? In fact, we just crossed over positive territory for 2018 on Friday. We were, we were the first time we're in the green now. Well, you know, this is one of the things about the wall of worry and why people need to understand that the stock market is a discounting mechanism. And by that, I mean, an analysts and, and investors try to anticipate the future. They buy today in anticipation of things going on in the future. And so for the last five years, 20, 20, uh, 
12 through 2016, 2017, we've seen multiples on earnings expand. So basically what was happening is investors were buying, borrowing performance from the future in the past. And right now, we've already discounted these strong numbers. Now, in order for the market to go higher from here, we obviously need earnings growth. We need multiples to remain fairly stable. And that, and that way, you're basically returns equalize with earnings growth. So let's take this back a second. So we have the, what's called the, you know, the famous P-E ratio, prices in earnings. So prices have come down 10%. We talked about a correction. That's the definition of a correction. Prices came down 10% and earnings came up. The combination of both the numerator and the denominator in this example has brought the multiple down to about 15.5 or 16. That is something that has is, is, historically average and not overpriced at all. It's it's average and when you can when you put it in the context of where interest rates are, because remember when you buy stocks you have other choices. You could buy bonds, you could buy treasury bills that now yield two and a half percent. you could buy real estate, you could buy all sorts of different asset classes, but the relative valuation of equities is now better relative to fixed income than it's been in five years. That's an amazing point. Now you mentioned a really important point, the fact that interest rates are going up and there's a lot to say there. But you made a, a really good point that people can take away from this, and that is if interest rates start going up and now a 10-year treasury yield is at 3%, you know, for, for years you would go to the bank and want to buy a CD and it started with a decimal point. Well, now 3%, that's a real number, and it's giving people alternatives, and we can't use our acronym Tina, there is no alternative anymore because there is an alternative. Yeah, there there is. I mean, the, the one-year T-bill is now trading at 2.5%, which is higher than the yield on the S&P. And when I say yield, what I mean is what is the rate of return you get in dividends from buying the S&P 500? That number is currently about 1.9%. So for those who are older, who are a little bit concerned about market volatility, who fear tweet storms and the like, you know, that 2.5% looks reasonably attractive. And that should be part of someone's portfolio anyways. You know, when you start, we start doing this risk analysis, Danny, we talk to each individual investor and we say, you know, what's going to make you nervous and should we take uh, some chips off the table? Should we reduce your equity? And where do you go with it? You know, we say, do you go to real estate? Do you go to bonds? And that, that's a tricky business right now. So putting some money and taking it off the table where you can get a fixed interest rate is an interesting, interesting perspective. We talked last week with Randy in our financial planning department and he talked about all the tools that they have and it's actually, is it called the Riskalyzer? Something yeah. Like yeah, it's, it's it almost sounds like it's made yeah. up, but it's fantastic. And it's not a breathalyzer; it's a it's a risk analyzer. <laughs> yeah, and we do, and we walk through that and say, you know, for example, if you if you have five hundred thousand dollars invested and it goes down twenty percent, well, people go, I can understand that, but when it goes from five hundred and it says three ninety nine. That's an issue, and that's what that's what this exercise does. It's Money Talk, Annex Wealth Management on WTMJ. Joining me is Dan Phillips, our Director of Client Learning and Development at Annex Wealth Management, part of the huge team that is here. Dan, good to see you. Good to see you too, Danny. You know, read this quote the other day. One of the greatest financial shocks you can experience is divorce. You are here to second that. It's lose lose prospect when you're going through divorce, unfortunately, Danny. And women are still tending to come out of divorce with a downshift in standard of living. 75% of women actually statistically don't get 
all of the support do them. This is stuff that I heard 15, 20 years ago. It hasn't gotten better, huh? No, it's very difficult for women to re fully recover from the effects of divorce statistically. You know, there are emotional, legal, and financial issues that they face. And there's one AARP study that just came out that said it's a husband's spending habits that was the primary reason the marriage broke up. Now, we call that financial infidelity. Is that talking about hidden accounts or just wild spending? Either. You just got back from this thing called the IDFA National Conference in Denver. You were really excited to go. You were really jazzed when you got back. I was. So that's the Institute for Divorce Financial Analysts. So I'm a CDFA, which is a Certified Divorce Financial Analyst. I kind of look at it as an adjunct to a CFP, Certified Financial Planner. Okay. But it really narrows down specifically with issues in planning for people that are going through divorce. Am I right by thinking that the first thing when, when a marriage is heading to a divorce, you go to attorneys? Do people go to financial planners? I think they're beginning to more and more. They should. Actually, that same study and through AARP said the number one thing that women would go back and redo over if they could after their divorce was final is to engage a financial planner. There are a couple of different ways you can do a divorce. I mean, you could do it entirely by yourself, I suppose, if you really wanted to. Uh, and the opposite end of the spectrum is litigation. Most people try to not go through litigation because then you've got a third party, you've got this judge who's really making all the rules. A lot of people want to fall somewhere in the middle, so they'll do collaborative divorce, collaboration, or mediation in collaboration or mediation they actually are sitting down together collaborative divorce they are making an agreement that they will not hide assets that they will be very forthcoming and honest in their dealings and really civil Deanne Phillips is director of client learning and development she is a certified financial planner she's also a certified divorce financial analyst and she's part of the team here I'm gonna to toss a little jargon at you QDRO I think you called it quadro. What is that? That's called a qualified domestic relations order. And it's something that is used after the divorce is final, so post-decree, to split a qualified plan. So just stepping back for one moment, most couples have their biggest asset in a 401k or a retirement plan. And so when it comes to divorce, a lot of times that needs to get split up. This creates a little bit of extra work mm -hmm. and difficulty because in order to split a qualified plan, you have to have that quadro. They have to be clear, state the amount of payments and the duration. Now they're governed by ERISA. ERISA governs company retirement plans and they have this anti-alienation clause. And basically what that means, more jargon, Danny, it means that you can't transfer your pension to anyone else, right? So they, they requires this order which is drafted and then presented to the plan administrator it only becomes qualified when the plan administrator stamps it and says yes so when it comes to quadros here's the takeaway ideally in a perfect world they would be filed and done the date of divorce decree that rarely happens Dan Phillips director of client learning and development do people still hide stuff in the midst of divorce absolutely and you know sometimes it's not on purpose sometimes it is but really what uh, CDFAs do are they work with attorneys so the certified divorce financial analyst to help uncover those and think of some things that um, from a financial picture and point of view that can assist the client assist the attorney in discovery and that does include knowing where to go to find statements and accounts and uncovering the assets as well as providing an equitable split of the assets is part of the deep team here at Annex, 
how do you fit into the picture with all of this? So a lot of times people will call and say, gee, you know, I'm thinking about filing. What will my financial picture look like after? I really just want to see if I'll be one of the statistics that never really recovers from this or not. So our team here at Annex can sit down with that person and do projections of what their life might look like after. Sometimes also people will come to us, Danny, in the middle of it uh, when they've had their knees knocked out and maybe they've been filed on and they just really don't know what they don't know. Mm -hmm. And that's a case where we educate, we explain the different types of divorces, we help them again, championing them as a client here and reviewing documents, helping them ask the right questions. Deanne Phillips, Director of Client Learning and Development, thanks for being on the team and thanks for being here. Well, thanks for having me, Danny. 1040 at WTMJ again, AnnexWealth.com. You can see all of our headquarters, including what we call Annex Everywhere. So, if you're in the sound of my voice on this big radio station, we can take care of you. It's as easy as heading to AnnexWealth.com and getting going. It's Money Talk, Annex Wealth Management for uh, Saturday the 12th. Hey, happy Mother's Day weekend, by the way. It is. Happy Mother's Day to everybody listening. That's just a public service announcement. Yes, and you know, so the, both of us can go home as well. That's right. Guys, I got a dumb question for you, and I don't mind asking it. Can you explain repatriation? Sure. Derek, you know, there was an, obviously a significant event with the tax uh, plan that came through, and a lot of people said, boy, there's going to be a lot of money coming back into the economy because individuals and corporations are going to get a tax cut. I think what people haven't priced in or thought about as much is all of this money that's going to come back from from over the overseas no and I, I think they clearly have not in fact you know we, we talked a lot about a month ago about the blackout periods the companies experience prior to the release of their earnings and during that period they don't really discuss what they're doing in terms of buyback activity but basically the Treasury just gave instructions to the companies about the repatriation guidelines and one of our research partners did a lot of work on this and they come up with a number of 500 to 700 billion billion dollars that's going to come back into the United States to, to basically fund M&A, fund stock buybacks, dividend increases, and the like. That's seven times the impact of the, of the corporate largesse that was realized from the tax cuts. So 7x, 7x for that money coming back. And there's a number of companies that we saw on that report which we found interesting. And, you know, you talk about companies like Amgen and Bank of America, J.P. Morgan, Qualcomm, Phillips 66. That was on that list, but a, the biggest one on the list was Apple. Yeah, Apple spent over $25 billion in the first quarter buying back its own individual stock. And then you find out the Oracle of Omaha is also buying Apple. He's now the largest shareholder in Apple. So between Apple buying their own stock and Warren Buffett buying the stock, it's no wonder the stock bounced pretty hard off that 200-day moving average, and it was in $50 billion of a trillion-dollar market cap. So, you know, you and I have had this conversation going on for, for a while. What's the first company to a trillion-dollar market valuation? And here we are with Apple making a huge run, and if it gets to about $200 a share, it's you know in the high 180s right now, it will be the first company. It will be a big deal. It'll be a big deal, and everybody will cover that story. Yeah, I had thought it was going to be Amazon. In fact, we talked about that earlier this week, but it looks like Apple has the advantage. You don't have to closer. say that I was right on the radio. Well, That's you're okay. right. You know, you're like a broken clock twice a day. <laughs> yes, sir. And so, yeah, so Apple has done uh, is is rallying, and like you said, Warren Buffett said he is now the biggest shareholder, uh, a, a, a non-institutional shareholder of Apple. He, he had a ton already, but he bought more. Yeah, right? he sold I mean, he sold one tech company to buy some more <laughs> Apple, which is 
funny because for years he said I never understood the, the tech market, so he didn't have any tech stocks, and now here we are with Apple as his number one. Well, the, you know, the, the interesting thing with him, too, is he's very good friends with Bill Gates, and for years he and those two have been playing bridge together, and he understood Microsoft's business model, but I heard him say on CNBC, and I never really considered it before, he didn't buy Microsoft basically as he was afraid that people might think that he had some sort of inside inside scoop on, on what's going on at Microsoft. So I give him a lot of credit. He knows way more about technology than he lets on. You know, he's he's always been very humble in, in his description of, of his knowledge base. He's Is he looking at numbers like you look at numbers? I mean, oh. or is he just sticking a finger to the wind? I mean, it's looked like everywhere you look, Apple, we're in an Apple world. Well, it's the largest market cap now in the S&P 500. You know, and we do manage this equity income strategy at, at our firm. And Apple has scored well on our internal work for years. It's a, a cheap stock. And when you strip out all the cash on the balance sheet, it trades at a below a market multiple, yet it grows as more than twice the rate of the S&P 500. But Dave, almost every morning I'll go into Derek's office and I'll ask him, hey, how about this? And yeah. he just looks at me and he says, hey. the numbers go away. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so he, does, he doesn't suffer fools well. But nope. no, but let me just say, you, know, you said this about Warren Buffett, and it was he had a great interview when he came out with his report uh, last week. And of course he does look at numbers and he's a value guy. But he also said he does look at the qualitative stuff besides the quantitative stuff. And the fact is, who's running the company? Does he have a good manager? What's the culture of the company? He you know, he really let on that there is as much going into the companies that he buys now. Besides the numbers, which was everyone thought that's what he did, he looks beyond that, and so which is really interesting. But there's a lot of other news that we can cover. There was certainly uh, the Ford, the Ford story, the Ford F-150, the number one vehicle, Danny, in the country. Well, you know, you hear the phrase supply chain, and this is a supply chain deal because farther down the supply chain, a supply a supplier right. who made stuff that you have to have to build the Ford 150 had a had a bad fire and it's wiped it out for it could be months. Yeah, yeah. It, they said as much as eighty days, and so the Ford dealerships came out and said, "Don't be afraid. We're yeah. good. We have enough trucks to sell." So they're going to try to sell those vehicles. Obviously, does it does it put a, a bigger crimp on the supply chain? And then do they have to furlough workers? That's not a story to watch because uh, you know then, then you're really going to knock the stock off off where it's been going. And we have to watch where we go from here. But there's a lot of stuff going on. And lastly, I want to cover speaking of cars is Tesla, and we can. And see what happened not only with their car that they but their rocket we watched it live yesterday Derek and I my, my new best friend we right? did 1049 at WTMJ know the difference we talk about that all the time you'll see the difference it's annexwealth.com it is team it is technology it is trust and while you're there sign up for the free weekly newsletter called the axiom and it delivers on Sunday lots of knowledge lots of great stuff again that's the axiom and you can start at annexwealth.com it's Money Talk, Annex Wealth Management, Saturday, May 12th. My name is Danny Clayton. Derek Felsky, our Chief Investment Officer, is here, and Dave Spano, President of Annex Wealth Management. I can't figure out if I want to be Elon Musk or not be. He's had a rough couple of weeks. Then he's had a great couple of days. So where is he? He's yeah, bouncing all over the place. He had a win. You know, he, he certainly had a, a rough couple because not only did they miss production on the Model 3, and then they said they weren't going to do their other vehicle. They canceled it altogether. And then a couple of days later, he drops uh, he drops the half of his rocket right on top of where he wanted to put it. So Right where he wanted to put it. Which was interesting because, you know, Derek said, you know, he dropped half of his rocket on a boat. I went, oh, no, he's got a bad week. <laughs> he was supposed to. You know, you guys give me a hard time. I keep saying this. I think he is the Thomas Edison of today. I mean, look what he's doing. He's got this Hyperloop project. He's got Tesla. He's got SpaceX. I mean, who puts up rockets? 
Well, there's a couple. Yeah, but. well, they, they did it, but, you know, there's... Yeah, the, North Korea. Yeah, <laughs> excellent work. That's speaking well, of which, well played. Speaking of which, yes. uh, you, you talk about geopolitical tensions. Are, how are we with that? Well, it looks like, you know, we're headed in the right direction, but, uh, you know, we've read some things this past week that said we're not out of the woods by a long shot, and, you know, he might be playing a game altogether. So it looks like we're headed in the right direction. He says he's uh, going to try to denuclearize, but, you know, the plant that he... Uh, he said we can inspect. I mean, the mountain is not even there anymore. He had, is blown, it there? It, he had blown it up. He apparently. blew it up. So what are we going to inspect? So you There's kind nothing. of really wonder whether he's really negotiating from position of weakness or right. strength. They, they are going to meet, I guess it was announced this week on June 12th in Singapore. Um, obviously, people are hopeful that a reduction in tensions will occur. We had three prisoners uh, released this week that I think people felt pretty pretty good about. But I feel like we're kind of in the quiet period here with, with talk about North Korea, talk about trade and the like, because every time I think about China and how they're going to react to our our issues on trade, they know there's a midterm election coming in November. They also know that the Republicans are somewhat vulnerable in the House. Right now, the odds are they will lose the House. That's what the betting lines say. But we, we know how reliable those betting lines were in yeah. 2016. They don't so believe I, the polls. Yeah, right? so I hesitate to p put too much credence there. I just feel like now's a really good time to look at your portfolio. If it's a 60-40 portfolio, understand that fixed income will not not be the portfolio stabilizer it's been in the past because interest rates relative to duration are low. Therefore, if rates go up, it would take longer to recover the loss in principle. So that's what we've tried to do with our portfolios. And, you know, and look at look at other areas, too. I think most investors in the United States tend to have an over-concentration of U.S. stocks. I would look at overseas markets. There are better valuation opportunities there. You don't have the trade issues we have here. You certainly don't have the tweet storms. And I just think somewhat, you know, a balanced portfolio makes sense, particularly when heightened levels of volatility exist. But all 60-40 portfolios are not the same. We can look at, you know, you and I talk a lot about the fact that when we started in this business in the 1980s, you know, interest rates have been declining, and they have been declining until recently. We'll have to see what happens, and if interest rates start going up, what does that look like? And, and fixed income portfolios are all built differently. Yeah, and I, I read an article in Fortune when I was on vacation about debt and the amount of debt that the United States faces, and it's really hard to imagine that if interest rates go up, significantly that that won't stall the economy fairly quickly so i don't i'm not suggesting that interest rates are going from three percent to eight percent i'm suggesting they might go from three to three and a half but that's enough i think to upset people who think there's safety and fixed income to the exclusion of equities or dividend paying stocks which hold up better when interest rates start to rise no i don't want to get too far afield uh, getting away from the 60 40 but the debt issue is a problem there's the debt overhang as you know we've talked about 20 trillion dollars and if you just do quick math, and we get back to, say, 4% or even 5%, which are the long-term averages, 5% of interest on $20 trillion is a trillion dollars a year. That is a significant issue. So we, I agree. We'll have to watch that. But the fact is, look at your portfolio. Know what you own and know why you own it. And it's really important as, as earnings season ends and we get into the seasonal time of year to know what you own. Danny, you know, before you do that, uh, before we get to the next point, I think you want to understand that there is a lot of information that we, that uh, listeners can get to. Well, our team has really been working hard on the Axiom, which is the weekly newsletter that we put out. And um, I've heard one of our best efforts 
Okay, so sign up for that. You can go to AnnexWealth.com. You can get that. It's a uh, Sunday morning arrival, so you can you can kind of read through that, really learn a ton. So we really are kind of proud of that thing. And, and, and we are. And if you want to if you want to see it, you have to go to AnnexWealth.com and sign up for it, and we'll email it to you. But it's a nice piece, and you can learn a little bit of you know the things that we've talked about. And we did, and we do a bunch of media all throughout the week, Danny. We sure do. Dave Spano, President Annex Wealth Management. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you, sir. And Eric Falski, thanks for coming in. My pleasure, that. Danny. Oh, I got a little time left. I uh, want to tell you that uh, Retirement Roadmap is one of our very, very popular uh, seminars that we put on, presentations, really, that we put on. And there's one coming up in the Appleton area. It's at Butamore Country Club, um, 3600 West Prospect Avenue. So your fr- so you listeners in that area goes uh, from 6 to about 7.30. I went to my very first Retirement Roadmap seminar uh, this past week at our Lake Country location, and it was really well put on. I love the way they start. They said, listen, we're not trying to sell you anything. This is just a discussion. We want to teach you a few things, and there's questions at the end, and there were a lot of questions at the end. Again, go to AnnexWealth.com. That is the start. Know the difference. It is team. It is technology. It is trust. It's AnnexWealth.com. Advice and opinions expressed during Money Talk are solely that of the hosts or guests of Annex Wealth Management and not WTMJ Radio or Scripps Media Incorporated.